struggle with taking off time from work for Cholomoed. It's not easy, and how do you determine what work is considered absolutely necessary and what work you could skip a few days for? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on Duff Yud Bay's page 12 of Moed Cotton, and we find the key ingredient that determines whether Cholomoed should be a work day or simply a day of enjoying the Chag. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrusa today. I'd like to begin with a story. The Ozhar of a Rebbe, Rabbi Moshe Yechiel Epstein, didn't sleep three straight nights every year from the night of Hoshana Rabbah until the morning after Yom Tov. Why couldn't he sleep? He was so excited about resuming the mitzvah of donning tefillin, which he had not performed for a period of eight days. As he got closer and closer to the mitzvah, his enthusiasm would be palpable. His hand would shake as he recited Havdalah. After all, throughout Sukkot, while he may have held the mitzvahs of Lulav and Esrog in his hand, they weren't bound to his hand like the tefillin would be. In the wee hours of the morning, he would begin to pace back and forth on his balcony, eagerly waiting for the crack of dawn when he could begin to prepare himself for the time of tefillin. He would then lay his hand upon the tefillin bag and approach them with the anticipation of one who hasn't seen a close relative for an extended period. He then placed the tefillin upon his arm and began to sing a song of joy. He recited each word of the blessing with exuberance. While the words coming out of his mouth were a bracha addressed to Hashem, our God, King of the Universe, it sounded more like he was in conversation with his Father in Heaven. And as he concluded with the words, Lahaniach tefillin, all the tension subsided. A feeling of relief filled the room as the Rebbe began his silent prayers. Let's have a look at today's Gemara. One may grind flour on Cholomoed for the sake of the festival, but if it is not for the sake of the festival, it is prohibited. It is permitted to do work on Cholomoed for a matter that will result in significant loss if not dealt with on the festival. A matter that will not result in loss over the festival is prohibited. Let's analyze the Gemara. It's not easy to take off from work for Cholomoed. By the time you've taken all the days off for Yom Tov, there's not too much vacation time, if any, left in the pot. And that's without any allocation for summer and winter getaways. For many people, Cholomoed is somewhat of an enigma. You're allowed to drive and talk on the telephone, so why should going to the office be problematic? Let's put Cholomoed into perspective, and let's transport ourselves back in time to the pre-electric era. How did Shabbos and Yom Tov look versus any other day of the week? There were no phones, email, or movies any day of the week. There were no cars and very few people in the shtetl even owned a horse or wagon. Unless you were a traveling merchant, most people walked wherever they needed to go. So what were the differences then? The major variance between a regular day and a Yom Tov day was that on Shabbos and Yom Tov you didn't go to work. But of course our holy days are so much more than just work-free days. We abstain from Melacha, the 39 activities and their subsidiaries that are forbidden on Shabbos, with Yom Tov having cooking and the like permitted. But still, unless you were a farmer, what kinds of daily activities were affected? Writing is one, washing clothes another, lighting a fire, carrying in a town without an Erev, shopping, exercise, and then the little things like tearing and selecting, squeezing and scrubbing. I call those little. Because while they may be forbidden, there are various ways to get around them. 
You might not be allowed to tear toilet paper, but you could use pre-cut tissues. You might not be allowed to grind your coffee beans, but you could make coffee in a klishlishi, a third vessel. Now we can appreciate the challenge of Cholomoyed. Malacha is allowed, and yet it's still part of the festival. How do we uphold the atmosphere of the Chag when all the weekday activity is permissible? No doubt people feel the celebratory aspects of Pesach and Sukkot. After all, Cholomoyed is still a time for Matzah and Sukkah replete with feasting and drinking. But the sanctity of the festival is an integral element that can't be overlooked. And so the rabbis designed a framework that would serve to maintain the holy and dignified feeling of the moed amidst the chol, the festival within the mundane. Yes, you can write, but the rabbi said, write with your left hand. That way you'll be reminded only to write things that are absolutely necessary. Don't wash clothes unless you've unintentionally sullied all your garments. And above all, don't go to work. You might not be doing much in the way of malacha, but everyone knows that work is the one thing you don't do on a holy day. And so Chalmod becomes a clear festive day of Kedusha. On Chalmod, we don't work, we simply enjoy the Chag. But even then, there are exceptions. The primary exception is something that would incur a significant loss if it were not taken during the festival. If that's the case, you are allowed to work. But let's be honest, that definition lends itself to a lot of nuance and interpretation. It's not hard to justify to oneself that if you would not work during Cholomoed, the financial loss wouldn't be recoverable. In fact, in most situations, there's probably no way of ever knowing whether the work you did actually made all the difference or not. Maybe you would have been able to maintain all the big accounts even if you took the entire week off. It's hard to know. It's what we call a suffake, a doubtful situation. So what do you do if it's a suffake, whether this work is absolutely necessary to tend to during the Chag? What you do is, you follow the rule of suffake, doubt, that we have throughout Halacha. Suffake de Ayrais Lechumra, Suffake de Rabbanon Lekula. If the doubt concerns a biblical mitzvah, we must err on the side of stringency, i.e., don't go to work. If the doubt concerns a rabbinic mitzvah, we err on the side of leniency, meaning that you can take care of the matter during Cholomoyed. But which one is it? Is Cholomoyed a biblical commandment or a rabbinic ordinance? The Magen Avram explains that there are two ways of looking at it. Either Cholomoyed has rabbinic origins, or it's a biblical law that was given over to the rabbis to define the pr precise parameters. While we have different opinions on the matter, Responsa Chuas Shai contends that there's a simple way to see which opinion a person should follow. Not wearing tefillin during Cholmoyed, during those intermediate days of the festival, is a demonstration of adherence to the position that Cholmoyed is a biblical mitzvah. Consequently, it would be forbidden to engage in work that might result in significant loss if unattended to. While that formula is probably a bit of an oversimplification of a complex issue, it should at least impress upon us the gravity of Cholmoyed. Tefillin is a very important mitzvah. The Torah obligates us to wear tefillin every day that's not Shabbos or Yom Tov. If you're not putting on tefillin on Cholmoyed and then heading off to work, it's almost contradictory. Certainly, one should maintain one's family and community minhag, but it should nonetheless give one pause regarding the sanctity of Cholomoed. Yes, you may still go to work if you absolutely need to, but it's by no means a decision we take lightly. 
Later on our daf, Rebbe distinguishes between different kinds of compensation dispensed on the various holy days. On Shabbos, with good. On Yom Tov, with sustenance. On Chol Moed, with reward. Literally, the meaning is that if non-Jews came of their own accord to fertilize a Jew's field on Shabbos, they may be compensated with a favor. On Yom Tov, they may be compensated with food. On Chol Moed, one may pay them. Homiletically, however, perhaps Rebbe is offering a powerful promise. On Shabbos, you are remunerated with good. The reward for Shabbos observance isn't only in Olam Haba, the world to come, it's here and now. One day a week, we remove ourselves from the chaos of the mundane world and are blessed with uninterrupted time for Hashem, family, and community. That is inherently good. Yom Tov, however, is a little more challenging. Most companies only give a couple of weeks a year off work. How do you fit 13 days of Yom Tov into 10 days? It takes considerably more sacrifice and dedication to appreciate Yom Tov and not worry about Paranasa concerns. And so Rebbe teaches that the Almighty will recompense your efforts with increased sustenance. The reward for your efforts in arranging your work schedule around Yom Tov is that you will receive even greater Paranasa. But then we have Cholomoed. Taking off work for Cholomoed is one of the greatest challenges of Judaism, even more challenging than keeping Shabbos. Says Rebbe, if you make the ultimate sacrifice and figure out how to avoid working on Cholomoed, you will receive the highest reward, reward in this world and the next. May the Almighty bless you with good sustenance and reward, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf. Yeah.